Oh, that means they're growing in their own individual courage. So um, today is um, um, a big day for me because we're going to get to the song, Oh, Holy Night. And I'm telling you, that is a big deal to me. Uh, but we'll start with the Proverbs today, uh, being the eighth, I chose Proverb 1. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this with feeling today, okay? Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? Okay, that's how that one needs to be read. So there you go, that's it. My favorite Christmas carol is, by a long shot, is Oh, Holy Night. And that's not a surprise to most people here. But that's been a popular song for a lot of generations. And um, I collect them. I collect copies of Oh, Holy Night. You didn't know that? Um, I've got a playlist in my, my uh, iTunes playlist. And as of this morning, it's got 106 versions. And I actually play the playlist. It's actually playing at my house right now, even though I'm not there. And it goes around and around. And although it's the same song over and over again, it doesn't sound like that. I don't get tired of it. In fact, I got this really weird fantasy. Okay, I'll admit it right now. If I was the king of the world, the king of the world, and I could dictate laws, I would say, let it be done in every elevator in the land. (laughs) My playlist of Oh Holy Night, Around the Clock, 24 7 365. I mean, I mean, and put up speakers in cemeteries. I know they can't hear, but play it. You know, I mean, I love this song. And um, it, it comes from Luke chapter 2 and um, this, this Christmas passage. So it's actually inspired by Luke chapter 2. Christmas, the Christmas passage, I think we should read it. Uh, we'll start right there in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So they're having a census. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. So they didn't come to you. You went to the place of your family's origins, and so they're heading back there. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time for her to give came for her, for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in the swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, that sounds so um, beautiful, right? Okay. And, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field watching, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, this song, O Holy Night, 
was written in the middle 1800s. There, the story, the backstory is there was this a French, this parish priest, and um, he asked this guy um, named Placide Capot um, to write a poem. Now, this, 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 this Capot dude um, was not a believer. And I don't know what the, the, what the priest was up to. Maybe he was thinking, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'm going to get this guy to write me a poem by getting him to read the Christmas story. But he basically says, would you write a poem based on that section? And, and so he did. And, 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 and Capo's story was like he had been, this is a couple hundred years ago now, he had been at age eight playing with a friend, playing with a gun, a real gun. Gun went off, bad injury. He had to have his hand amputated to save his life. He would have gone into the family business that was the tradition then. His family were, were vintners and, and, and barrel makers, coopers. And of course, to make barrels, you got to have two hands. So he couldn't do that. Instead, he went to um, school. He went to an expensive school. His family didn't have the money. But the family of the boy who pulled the trigger decided to help him, and they helped pay some of the education costs. You don't care about any of this kind of stuff, but I do. Okay, so, so, um, so you're just reduced to force to be here. So anyway, so he goes, he goes to school, he becomes a writer, lawyer, and he becomes a poet, and he becomes a good poet. Fast forward, the priest says, hey, write a poem from this passage. So he writes the poem. He thinks, man, this is a pretty good poem. This, this really is a very good poem, and it, needs to, it actually needs to become a song. So so Capo, who's not a believer, talks to one of his friends, another guy who doesn't believe in God, who's a musician. He's a famous, he writes opera, you know, and he's doing this kind of stuff. So he says, put this, to, put this, this poem to, to music, and they write this song. Out, back comes the song to the priest. The church likes it. It becomes pretty popular. All the, it spreads. All of the Catholic churches are, are singing this song. Everybody like it was the Catholic church was the church of the day. Everybody likes the song. It's a hit been going on for a number of years. Then the, um, the, the, the mucky mucks, the big wigs in the church, realized who wrote this thing. Wait a minute. Stop singing this song. The people that wrote this don't know God. We can't possibly use this song. But by that time, it was too late. The word had gotten out. I mean, it was already, already past it. So uh, uh, fast forward, uh, here's some more trivia that I just love about this. Okay, So fast forward about 50 years, roughly, and um, we come to this guy, uh, and it's now Christmas Eve in 1906, and this guy named Reginald Fezenden, real name, can you believe that? <laughs> Fezenden wasn't bad enough. His parents named him Reginald. Nothing wrong with the name Reggie. Okay, <laughs> so he was a, an employee um, of Thomas Edison, so he knew his way around some electronic stuff. Well, he had a stuff laying around, so he builds a radio transmitter, and on Christmas Eve 1906, he pulls out his violin, and he makes the first broadcast of music over radio ever in the world, and guess what song he played on his violin? Oh, Holy Night. Okay, so he won the Billboard MTV. There was no competition that year, so anyway... But he plays Oh Holy Night. And at the end of that violin song that went out over these radio waves, first broadcast of music on our planet, he reads Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom God's favor rests. So just so you can catch up with us on this, here is our version of that song.
stars are brightly shining It is the night of our dear Savior's birth
Thank you. Thank you. Did you record that? Okay. So by tonight, the list will be 107. <laughs> I'm really grateful that um, we have, by the way, just as a side note, that we have such gifted musical, musical people who, you know, I don't view them as my personal jukebox, but um, <laughs> um, I make a request and they go, yeah, we'll pull that off. And I just am so grateful that that can happen anyway. So well done. You know, I, I, I think for us, we look at Christmas and we have all of these um, images that conjure up in our minds about that holy night. And, um, you know, I, I think the narratives today um, let, want us to remember, maybe look in and, and consider the majesty, really, of that night. The baby Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and Joseph, and lambs, and, and the cattle that were lowing, and all the things, those things. But I, I really think sometimes that that cozy uh, manger scene can actually do a little bit of a disservice to us in understanding, really, what was going on that night. You, you had a teenage girl pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She had traveled donkey back, donkey back. She's nine months pregnant, riding on the back of a donkey for somewhere between 80 and 120 miles. Okay, getting the picture here. I mean, I mean, um, when Lisa and I went to the hospital with our first, first childbirth with Ben, I took her five miles inside of a heated Chevy Impala, okay? And so they get to town after this donkey back ride, and there's no place. There's nobody. Nobody's got a room for them. So most scholars think that they ended up in something like a, a, a cave, a, a shelter that animals would use when the weather was terrible. You can go get in the cave kind of a thing. And so she's giving birth, and it's probably in the worst medical environment possible. And um, it's dirty. There's no experts around. I mean, I mean, <laughs> when we went, um, you know, the room, they dimmed the lights, and there was music, and there was rocking chairs, and they would bring us something to drink if we were thirsty, and um, us, like, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to have to have some Diet Pepsi, so could, if you could, like, um, and... Uh, <laughs> And, and if we needed some sort of, med, we, if, 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 if medications were needed, um, there was all of this equipment, S experts, consultants were there. Maybe that's the experience you had. Um, but even in our very carefully choreographed and monitored setting, there was still some degree of chaos, some degree of emergency, some degree of the unexpected, and some degree of difficulties were present in that room. And, and consider the cave this young girl, this woman giving birth without any of that help, and she's struggling to give birth to the Son of God. It wasn't quite as beautiful as our little display in the front window, right? Okay, so, I mean, and, 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 and that, that song, as beautiful as it is, O Holy Night, when Christ was born, I think about the majesty of those moments, the grace that heaven must have been applying in that space saying a, a, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. I mean, you can see now a little bit why I think about that song so much. It's, it's, it's an absolutely fair way to describe our world today as using the word, word weary. I, I think weary. Things out there can seem overwhelming. They, there's anxiety. Um, the, the, you, know, you never know what's going to happen with the economy next. Relationships seem to be messed up. The political climate that we're in, people have gone from being able to disagree to becoming angry 
about disagreement. Um, people that you know maybe and that we know maybe they've got serious diseases. There's families that are struggling and, and, and fighting to stay above water. It's fair to say that today there's a weary world. It's a weary world. But then the picture is this, this the, word, the, the song would call it a thrill of hope. You know, there had been present in the culture of that day a very long-held belief waiting for, actually measured in centuries, that one day the Messiah would come and, and, and be born. That one day, and on that day, everything's going to be different now. That's what they believed, and it's correct. They just weren't looking in the right places. And they believed it would be different and it would last forever. And, and, and f- their faith would proclaim that then, and, and, the, and the writer of this song, a weary world rejoices. Now, I think about that. The writer of this song reads the scripture, and out came this song from an unbelieving heart. How'd that happen? That's a great question. And, 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 and scripture teaches that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Something in those moments, I believe, transpired that was heaven birth. Yes, the Lord can use people who don't follow him. The Lord can make a donkey speak. There's all kinds of examples. Yes, the Lord can use people who don't follow him. And I believe that somehow that priest said, read that scripture, write me a poem, that the, the, the hearing of the word of God that transpired there, what I believe, this is just my belief, that that song was penned because that the Lord put faith in him to write this declaration about the Savior, about the Savior King. My, that's my Christmas prayer for you today. I mean, I, I, I'd say that if, if, if you're walking right now knee-deep in a weary world, that you're going to experience the same kind of thrill of hope, and, and inside your weary world, you're going to have the faith to rejoice. Because even in the chaos of the darkness of the night, there's going to be a new and glorious morn. It's going to show up. Because when the sun comes up, and when the Savior has been born on that morning, now everything has the opportunity to be, to be different because a new day with Christ changes everything. It just changes everything. About um, 500, almost or 580, roughly, years before that, that, that morning that Christ was born, the city of Jerusalem and the, the Lord's people were in a terrible situation because the city had fallen to this conquering King Nebuchadnezzar. And the people were distraught. There was families were being torn apart. People were being carried off as slaves. There was, it was a bad deal. And um, the people were lamenting and they were hurting. They were weary. And uh, one of the books in the Bible talks about the feelings of that day. So there's a prophet named Jeremiah, and he wrote this book called Lamentations. And he's lamenting. And it's, it's in that situation that the laments come forth. And um, that's kind of an odd place for us to talk about for Christmas, but I think we're going to get there so because um, we're going to see something happens because this, this heart of Jeremiah is crying out to God. And we're going to find out. And here's something happens in, in, in his book, in the, in, in the book of Lamentations. When you get to about chapter 3, you see something shift, something switch in his soul. And he moves from this, this mourning, the, the, the weary, weeping kind of mourning, not the first part of the day mourning, but the other kind of mourning. He moves from that to this, this, this moment of faith, and it shows up in um, chapter 3, starting in verse 20. And he's considering all of the bad stuff that's been going on. How much of that is the Lord trying to, to, to do something in the hearts of his people? And he's considering all of those events and things that have happened, and he says this, I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. So he's not in denial. He's acknowledging that they've faced some real trouble, some real setbacks. Verse 21, yet this 
I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So he's teaching us here. I'm going to call this thing to my mind. It isn't at the front of my mind. It's somewhere in the back. Now I'm going to move it up to the front, and because I remember this truth, I'm going to have some hope. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's amazing what a a new day with Christ can bring. Now, from this text, we're going to be done here. This is a very, very short. Um, There there are three, three things here that can bring this thrill of hope when you're walking through a weary world. A new day with Christ brings three things. One, exactly what you need. Not necessarily what you want, but it brings exactly what you need. Now, a lot of scholars think that, that this, 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 um, the things that, that uh, the Jeremiah is thinking about in this passage are, are some things, also some of the things that the Israelites experienced as they were wandering through the desert. And, and, and the deal with them was that God would bring them this daily portion Okay, this daily portion of heavenly manna, this 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 what is it? This bread that would kind of fall from the deal, and what would come would would come every day exactly what they needed for the day. There'd be lots of it. You could collect as much as you want, but you'd have enough for that day. You can't get enough today for tomorrow. If you collected enough to hold over to tomorrow, the deal with the, with the manna was that tomorrow it would rot. Except on one day of the week when you could collect enough for two days because the Sabbath was coming. So there was this miraculous supernatural evidence that the Lord was providing exactly what they needed, but nothing extra, and you had to have faith. And if you followed his ways, it was also going to be fresh tomorrow that one day a week. Pretty cool stuff going on. Verse 24, he says, "Um, I I say to myself, every now and then you know you need to talk to yourself. You know, that's okay. Every now and then, you, you have to preach to yourself some truth. You open up God's word, you, you read it to yourself, and, and you declare the truth to yourself. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. What's that mean anyway? God's, God's trying to teach them here that they need him every single day. And, and, and even Jesus taught the same thing. He said, give us today our daily bread because I need God every single day. This, this, this Hebrew word portion, kelek, literally means smoothness. The Lord is my smoothness. In the bumps and the potholes and in the, you know, that, 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 that is passing along the, the, the concept that God's going to be there for me. God will be there. I'm not on this alone. God is my portion. It's this statement of faith. It's a statement of trust that God has our todays and our tomorrows covered. <laughs> Jeremiah says, I call this, he says, I call this to mind because the Lord is my daily portion. He's exactly what I need. Therefore, I'm going to wait for him. I'm going to wait for him. The good news is this. God is already in your tomorrows. He's already there. He has already got exactly what you need for Monday waiting for you when you show up. Tomorrow, whatever it is, he's already there. If if your marriage is struggling, what I hope you'll capture in this in this in this is that it, it, God's in your tomorrow waiting for you, and He has and He is what your marriage needs. If you're weak today, he's already in your tomorrow. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. He'll be there. 
if you're discouraged, if you're depressed. He's already in your tomorrow. He's going to be there. He's going to be there with joy. He's the lifter of your head. A new day with Christ always brings exactly what we need. And what we need is the presence of God. His reality, his strength, his power, his, 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 his goodness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. A new day with Christ brings us, one, exactly what you need. Two, it brings the hope to keep going. The hope to keep going. I mean, it's the thrill of hope in the middle of this weary world. It's the thrill of hope and of, 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 of all that we see that when, when we're looking around and it seems like it's darkness in every direction, it, 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 it's, it's, this thrill of, it's this thrill of hope and that a new day is coming when we're in this chaos of the nighttime. Verse 25, Jeremiah says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. I think too many people today live a hope-deprived life. It's, it's too many. Struggling to find places to put their hope, and they're putting their hope in the wrong places. You know, the stock market is a risky place to put your hope. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's probably not a lot of us here that are throwing the dice in the stock market. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't have your money invested somewhere. If you have the opportunity to do that, be wise and all that kind of stuff. But if that's where you place your hope, it's risky. Your, the company you work for, put your hope in that, that's risky. They might let you down. You can put your hope in another person and um, they may not come through for you. You can, you can put your hope in some outcome that you need or, and, 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 and it may not get you exactly what you, what you think you need. It's risky putting our hope in the wrong places. And when we end up putting our hope in the wrong places, we start to end up hope less in a weary world and begin to wonder if there is anything good because our hope is in the wrong places. Where's the right place for our hope? Glad you asked. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Listen, Christians, grab a hold of the hope that we profess and don't ever let go because he's faithful. The challenge today is, is too many times we let go of the things, the hope that we profess, and we're grabbing onto all of the fear and the anxiety and, and the darkness of the night, and, and we're letting go of the truth of God. The, the, we're letting go of uh, you know, that, and we're holding onto the lies of the evil one. And what we need to do is exactly the opposite. We need to let go of fear, let go of anxiety, let go of stress, let go of panic and doubt, and hold onto the hope that we profe- he professed. Hang on to the promises of God. Don't ever lose hope on what a new day with Christ can bring. I, I've, told, I've told the church before, I think once or twice. We've been here almost uh, nine and a half years. I'm sure you've heard this story a couple of times because it impacted Lisa and me so strongly. Young in our, in our marriage and young in our Christian walk, we had um, some very, very close friends and watched the two of them over a period of time both individually lose hope. And I'm certain here nobody knows them so I'll go by their first names. One, his name was Chris, and her name was Crystal. And this was in, they were in their, they were in their late 20s, as were we. And we will never know why. We're never going to really know what exactly happened, but um, one day, Chris was gone. And as close as we were to the two of them, we also watched his wife be absolutely broken. And you know, when I look back to that experience, the thing that I remember most about our friends Chris and Crystal wasn't so much the day he was gone, 
But it was a number of years later, um, Lisa and I were, um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a car guy, okay, um, maybe more than a little bit, and we had um, gone to a car race up at Seattle International Raceway. They used to have the coolest thing in the world up there called 64 Funny Cars. Does anybody here remember 64 Funny Cars? Okay, <laughs> all right. It's like 64 nitromethane-breathing, fire-belching, tire-ruining, earth-shaking loads of joy, right? <laughs> 64 of them, they would line up, and it would go all afternoon and into the dark of the night, and it was loud and crowded, and it would burn your eyes and your nose. It was wonderful. It was just really good. <laughs> And, um, but it was crowded, and uh, we were there. On, it was a Saturday night thing up there, and, and um, you, know, you get brain damaged going to those things. And, and <laughs> anyway, so we're there, and um, it's crowded. And we're down around the start line and working our way around and trying to get in there close and see things. And, and, um, and pressing through the crowd, I can still see this image with my mind, although this is maybe 40 years ago. Um, and... And we're pressing through the crowd. We'd lost touch with Crystal, and, and, um, and we're pressing through the crowd, and we bumped into a woman, and she turned around, and she's this far from me, and she turned and faced me right like that. And Lisa's standing with me, and there's Crystal. Crystal. She didn't know who we were, and she was completely stoned. She was completely... This, this woman who had at one time made us more mature Christians by by training us and teaching us in, in the Word of God, didn't know who we were, and had, it was very clear that she had let every ounce of hope drain out of her life. She, um, <laughs> she died from a drug overdose a number of years later. A tragedy, and I, we watched this couple, and I mean, I think of, of when her husband took his life and uh, I just look at that, and, and I just want to go back to that moment and say to him before what he, whatever he did, I want to say to him, you know, just hold on through the night. Hold on through tonight. Hold on till the next day. I don't, I don't know what was... What had drained the hope out of his soul, I don't know whether it was disappointment or discouragement or, or what, I, I don't know. And I'm not here to make a diagnosis of my friend, except to say that I know some moment came and hope was gone and he took his own life. But if he could have just held on one more day, just one more day. A new day with Christ can change everything. One more day. Let the risen sun show up. One more day. Just hold on one more day. I just want to say, don't lose hope. Hold on to the hope that we profess. And, you know, this is a tender territory for me to bring up um, because some of you know someone that's done this. And there's no way that I tell you right now, maybe you figured this out, but there is no way for you to make the puzzle pieces fit neatly. You'll never have an explanation that satisfies your soul. And I want to say to people here that if this is something you have or are considering, hold on. This is not the solution. Talk to someone today. Get some help. Suicide is not the solution. There's a new day. Just hold on one more day.
And I know it can be dark. I know it can be gloomy. But just hold on to one more day. A day with Christ can change everything. I haven't thought about Chris for so many years. What a waste that this happened. A new day with Christ. Exactly what you need, and it brings the hope to keep going. And the number three thing that a new day with Christ brings is the help that you're seeking. A new day with Christ brings the help that you're seeking. Verse 26 in Jeremiah's Lamentations, it's good to wait. Sometimes we just have to wait. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Some people need um, salvation of your souls. Some of us, maybe here, you need to be saved and forgiven by the Lord. You need to know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you know all about God, but you do not know him. And uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 21 promises that everyone who calls on the name of Christ will be saved. Call on the name of Christ. That doesn't mean shout the word out. That means call on him for salvation. Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Call on the king. Some of you are already forgiven, but you need to be saved out of a terrible situation or circumstances. One day with Christ can change everything. We shouldn't lose sight of the truth. And, and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's unbelievable what one day with Christ can do. Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead for four days. The King James translation said he stinketh. <laughs> he stinketh. And then, you know, his, everybody around him had given up hope. The smell was coming out of the tomb. It was terrible. And on one special day, one special day, Jesus shows up. Lazarus, come on. <laughs> come out of there. I don't know what he said. Had to be pretty amazing. I mean, he could have said, come forth, you know. But it could have been exactly that. But I don't know. I picture it, him calling his friend, whatever it was going on. And, and Lazarus, if you were to ask him after that, he says, <laughs> it's amazing what one day with Jesus can do. Right? I mean, there was this woman who'd had this issue of blood for 12 years, and everything that went with that in their culture, she was considered unclean. So if you were on the sidewalk and she was walking towards you, she would have to literally cross the street. I'm going over here because I'm unclean. Okay? I mean, I got a medical condition. Don't know why. I would really rather keep this private, but the culture says, I got to shout out to you about my problem so you don't get dirty. Humiliated, 12 years, one day with Christ. <laughs> she, she musters up, gets through the crowd, grabs the hem of his garment, grabs the symbol of his authority, faithfully grabs at the heels of the king. She's healed. Ask her, hey, what's it like to spend a day with Jesus? <laughs> it changes everything. There was a guy who had been at the pool of Bethsaida trying to get healed for 39 years. A cripple, couldn't walk. <laughs> one day, Jesus comes along, hey, pick up your mat and walk. After 39 years, the guy gets up, he's walking. Hey, have you ever met Jesus? Yeah, I met him one day. What was that like? <laughs> it changed everything. One day with the Lord. Some of you today, I mean, you're in a weary world right this minute, and um, your spirit, you're not your intellect so much, but your spirit needs to hear that there is a thrill of hope and your weary world can rejoice because there's a new and a glorious morning coming. 
you might, you might look at your marriage and think, you know, it's never going to be what it should be. It, it's amazing what one day with Christ can do there. It, it, and some of you are, maybe you're sick or you've heard something from a doctor or you're trying to heal in some way and, and, and uh, you know, the God we love is able to heal. It's amazing what, what the presence of God, what, what, what one day with the king what difference that can make. Some of you are in the night, you're in the chaos, and doctors are not too sure, and, or maybe not there at all. Maybe you don't have doctors. And um, meanwhile, the cattle are lowing, right? And, and in your weary world, in the darkness of night, that oh holy night, a new and joyous morn is about to break. I want to pray with you about that. So, O Holy Night, we get three things. Because, because of Christ, that, that one day with Christ can bring, he brings exactly what you need, the hope to keep going, and the help that you're seeking. Romans 13, 11, the hour has come for, uh, for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. The night is nearly over and the day is al- the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. O holy night, because for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, holy night, a thrill of hope. Let's pray. God, um, we know that your spirit ministers here, especially every time we worship and every time we, you know, choose with our heart to worship the king. I pray, Lord, that there would be something about this particular Christmas carol that would somehow attach to our souls and not detach, Lord, the, the truth that for unto us a child is born, that it's way more than a biological mystery that it was an intentional plan by a loving God to inject hope into the places where we need hope the most. Lord, remind us that there's a new day coming. I want to pray for people who just, as I talked about our friends, it stirred something of a tender nerve. Lord, forgive, forgive me for that. And I say to anybody here that if I've walked on a nerve, then forgive me for that. But Lord, I pray that something of hope would get into those places where it's so needed. God, you are a God of miracles. You are the God of resurrection. You are the God who breathes into us the breath of life every passing moment. None of, this are, none of these things are accomplishments that we would ever claim. Thank you, Lord, that when we speak to you, that you answer in ways that only you can do and that you always do answer. So, Lord, um, I, I just ask right now for you to save Save us out of our circumstances and save some of us, Lord, out of hell. While we're praying, um, Christians, be praying right now. Um, I just want to say with eyes closed that hey, a non-Christian wrote this song, a guy who didn't... It, it just tells you that you can know the story but not know the Savior. And you may not even know this, but there is available to you right this moment hope that will settle your soul and will settle your eternity. And the hope that you need to hold on to is the Savior. It's Jesus Christ. He's the Christ of Christmas. He's the Lord.
that scripture that I read before, that I mentioned before about all who call on Christ will be saved. This is your chance. This is your opportunity not to join a church, but to call on the king. And you don't need to shout that out here. I wouldn't want you to do that. But I would want you to, in, in, in the quietness and sincerity of your heart, to call on the name of Christ for salvation. I'm just giving you opportunity to do that right now. Lord, here are the hearts of people who would say, I want my eternity settled with heaven. I want to avoid an eternity of hell. So Lord, um, be my savior. I'm a sinner. I fall short of the glory of God. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not holy. I'm not set apart. And I want to be. And I know that that can only happen for me through Christ. I'm calling on the name of Christ for that right now. Those that are saying that, I want to say this to you. I encourage you to share that with someone today. It doesn't matter who. Just tell someone today. The word says, if you believe with your heart and then confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And I pray these things now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.